Hello, and welcome again to another episode of Five Plain Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to Native American artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bears, people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of CANA, the Native American programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our Native American communities from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Karen Goulet. Karen currently resides in Bemidji, Minnesota, a member of the White Earth Ojibwe Nation, and having received her MFA from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, she's been showing her work both nationally and internationally for over two decades. Her journey to the art world has been one of a traveler, living in multiple places, living a full life that at times seems like it resides outside of the art world. And I think that's what makes Karen so interesting. She's experienced a life outside of the studio, while many artists, they they go to school or they jump into this art world and they stay in the studio, they, they never get out. She's been able to form a lot of strong relationships uh, from the likes of Gail Tremblay to Truman Lowe and to Frank Big Bear, just to name a few. So let's jump into this interview with Karen. Karen, thank you for joining us. How are you today? I'm pretty good. It's yeah. It's a beautiful day out. So, and I'm looking forward to this process so uh, i am too. learning new things all the time <laughs> in, a, in the time of covid oh yeah everything's changing so fast mm-hmm. yeah uh so would you be able to introduce yourself to us and tell us a little bit about your background and where you're from well my name is karen elise goulet uh jibanesique and i am from um my roots are here in Minnesota, in Ojibwe country, but I also, I was, I was, up, I was born in Seattle, uh, Washington, and lived a few places before my family landed in Chelan, Washington, where I grew up. And uh, we came back and forth between Washington and here in the summer times often. So I feel like I have this um, connection to multiple places. I also, my father's family's from the Kenora, Winnipeg area. I've lived in six states and worked in various capacities. So maybe um, a little bit of nomad um, energy there. So the, the six different states, uh, that's, that's growing up uh, from place to place as a kid? No, I we well I lived in California and Washington as a kid, but as an adult person, I I moved and traveled a lot. I had a lot of different um, experiences. Wanted to go on adventures, and so I lived in Alaska and um, Montana, uh, California, and then when I went to school, um, I ended up in grad school out in Madison. And then I worked my way more permanently into Minnesota and up here in the Bemidji region. So oh, and underst- Wyoming. Sorry, that was brief, <laughs> okay. but happened. <laughs> <laughs> who? So I'm thinking uh, when you. What did you go to grad school for? Um, I pursued my graduate studies in sculpture. Um, and I was kind of pushed to do that. I had um, gone to undergrad in um, at the Evergreen State College, which I always wanted to do. And I had wonderful mentors there who uh, influenced my life greatly. 
and um, Joe Federson, who was one of my, has is still a mentor to me, was the one that kind of, you need to go. And so I was very fortunate to connect with um, Truman Lowe and George Kramer were in that um, department at that time. And they were also very um, significant um, mentors in my life in terms of developing myself professionally and really thinking about an art career as an option for myself. And sadly, uh, Truman passed away. Uh, he this, did recently. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's a, a big loss that we we feel we feel out here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, speaking on him and others, then uh, who who are your biggest influences within your art career? And well, I would say that it it started out with my family, really, because my. F- father and mother were both creative people. I, my mother, I remember her, she sewed and knitted everything for us. And I watched vivid in my memory is this um, Canadian wool sweater that she knitted for my dad. That was this magical event when I was maybe five or six years old. And my father was a painter. Um, He made furniture. He built a canoe. He was a very creative person. Uh, My auntie was a writer and a painter. My uncle Roger was also a wonderful watercolor artist. So there's, that's the, I would say the starting point is there was a certain level of um, familiarity, although it wasn't necessarily encouraged for that idea of being an artist to make a living and live happily ever after was not as, um, was not as um, well um, encouraged. That wasn't because you should do other things because it was a hard way to make a living and to have a life. And so when I went to school, when I finally, I had different life experiences and went to college, I, my son was already um, here uh, and in school. I waited until he was in school full time. And I went with the intention of I was going to be an architect. And then I took a class with an architect instructor where I produced for projects a couple of art pieces, um, fabric art pieces that I had always wanted to do. And he directed me to Gail Tremblay. And that was a changing point in my life. Um, She opened my world um, in so many ways, not just as an artist, but to a larger literary world, um, uh, taste in, in food, different cultures, in different ways of understanding film, music. And so it was um, a transformation for me. And she also introduced me to Joe Federson, um, who would help me with my process of understanding how, who I was as an artist and how I was going to look at ex, um, how I worked as an artist and express myself. Um, and so then kind of the connections of getting into grad school, even though I was dragging my heels, I'm so grateful that they saw things in me that I didn't see in myself. Um, I know that the educational path isn't necessarily the path for every artist, but it was a very good path for me because there were so many different ways that I 
um, gained knowledge and information that would influence me as an artist and influence my professional career. And then as I was moving out of um, graduate studies and into a professional place, um, Jean Quictesee Smith was one of the first people to, like I, my first piece that went into a traveling exhibit, she selected for her for her show and she continued to be a professional mentor for me um, over the years as I developed myself. Uh, my peers, I have, there are artists who I, whose work I admire, both traditional and contemporary artists. Um, I would say Sarah McRae and Tom Stilday, who are both Red Lake and World members are two people that I really admire a lot for their contemporary vision with the woodland woodland um, aesthetic. Um, but I could name on and on all these various artists that I just think are amazing. So I try to stay current with what's going on and connect with people um, who are practicing artists. And I think that's so important to acknowledge other artists uh, that, that we've worked with. Um, going back to your, your, your grad school experience, I, and you're, you're right when you had mentioned that the, the education route is, is not the, the only route for an artist to take. Uh, that being said, I think the, the great thing about graduate school is it's a time for, for an artist to really discover their voice, uh, to really explore uh, who they are as an individual. Um, I think Absolutely. if undergrad is... Yeah, I think if undergrad is more of a, a fundamentals experience, you know, learning mm -hmm. the process, um, graduate school is exploring who you are. Right. That's wonderful. That's a really great way to describe it. Um, I think I was a more like I was an adult person, um, you know, with a, with family responsibilities when I started the process. So there were things that perhaps I already had, but there was a lot I didn't have. And so just the world opening up, the creative world opening up, um, and where once I got to grad school to be able to dedicate myself to um, my art and thinking about my art and conceptualizing and exploring, um, uh, UW was great. They, they provided you with studio space. So you, you know, got to have yourself set up and have your own um personal space to to work from that wasn't your living room or kitchen table <laughs> which is what I'm doing today but anyway um but it also with peers from literally all over the world it was really um a great experience and you also are starting this process of maybe um having opportunities to exhibit professionally I had some um, a few uh, opportunities to to go through the process of understanding what it was to to prepare to meet deadlines to get my work up on the wall and to go see it in in an exhibition capacity was pretty exciting and um, and I and I think that the idea that people can just I mean I've I you know I work sixty to ninety hours a week and it because I love art. And um, that's what I got to do. And you see, so you just sort of live in that place for a period of time. And it, it's a good thing. 
Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's great. Um, so how have you developed your career, uh, college and post-college? Well, that was an interesting one because I, I sort of was tying it to another question. Um, I um, ended up, well, I, I did some work in developing some art programming. I came back out to Washington State after I graduated for about a year, year and a half. And I had a, it was, a, they were um, limited term positions um, working with the Longhouse Education Cultural Center, was, which was just really getting going. And then um, there was another, um, I'm, it's, I'm blank right now on the, the name of it. Was a, it was a Northwest Institute program that served um, outside of Evergreen State College, the tribal communities um, in, in various capacities. So having these experiences, and that's when I started kind of um, moving into working with um, uh, tribal entities, tribal organizations, and primarily, but primarily with education. I mean, that was a big thing for me. I came back um, to be the... Um, Native student advisor at the Madison Area Technical College, and I was there for about an, a year and a half. And so I took whatever opportunities I could get to go where I thought I needed to be. I was recruited. I worked. One of the things that I think is was really significant was taking an opportunity to work outside of the art realm in a professional capacity, and not, you know, not just, um, you know schlepping plates, making lattes, which lattes, which I did plenty of. I mean, I, I basically um, um, supported myself and my son through school being a waitress. But to go into a professional place where you're using your creative thinking in another way. I worked with some student development programming with the um, Great Lakes Center Tribal Council, their Native American Research Center for Health Student Development Program. And I and they're like, no, we need somebody with a creative mind because I wasn't sure that that was something I should apply for. And it was a very, uh, it was a big turning point for me in thinking about how significant and important creative thinking is in so many, in so many places. But I think my real, one of my real heart callings is being a teacher. So I eventually moved into, and I, and Whitehurst Tribal College opened during the time I was in grad school and I heard about it and I started going over there and it was growing. And when are you going to be ready for an art teacher? And um, then I went and got my master's in education as well. So that was helpful to be able to start um, being able to work in my own, on my own reservation with the tribal college there. And um then I went out to Salish Kootenai College and was the director of the art program there for about three and a half years. And so, but in between, I've, I've had experiences. Um, now I'm working for the Watermark Art Center as the director of the Mekanon Gallery, and I do development work with Northwest Indian Community Development Center, trying to build... Um, resources and opportunity for Native artists. So I've been doing a lot more work specifically to art development. And so those that's kind of been the path that I've taken professionally. 
and that's with uh, Talia mm-hmm. um, Palmer. Mm-hmm. Palmer, yes. Yes. And it's been and, a wonderful experience to uh, to work with a visionary that has this idea that art has a place intrinsically in our um, day-to-day experiences and how to bring that into how to bring that into different areas of of um, support and development culturally um, for people yeah that's that's a wonderful organization up there um, I think Kevin standing bear is another person mm-hmm. uh, that's up there yeah um, I've enjoyed going up there uh, you know it's great to that you, both your organizations are just down the street from each other mm-hmm. so oh and yeah. I work for um, I, I work with um, Joe Allen with the um, Gajigan Arts Incubator. Actually, when I came back from Montana, that was my first stop was with the Gajigan Arts Incubator program. And I was there for a year and a half or so. Um, Mm -hmm. But I kept connections and I've really enjoyed um, working with Joe and us building resources for artists as well and opportunities. So, um, and that's serving the um, White Earth Reservation, um, Native artists um, population, although we're, it's you know expanding and diversifying some as well. So there's a lot I think going on and a lot that can continue to um, grow, um, even with everything we're going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Joe Allen is a, a great mentor, a great photographer mm-hmm. as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, oh, it's great to hear these these names and uh, these these folks that you've worked with. Um, it's a great community up there. So, how do you seek opportunities? Well, the <laughs> the way I the first thing I wrote down to that question was random. I mean, <laughs> it's sort of like if I'm at a point in my life and time where I feel like it's time for a change, or I know that. Um, I mean, I've gone into places and worked in knowing that I would not stay forever. And I think that's part of my nature as a professional person in is like I I like getting things started and initiated. And um, somebody gives me the parts and says, turn this into something or let's envision something new. What can we add to this? So I think that sort of stimulus is what I'm always looking for um, professionally. And and as an artist, I kind of in the last few years put my own um, my own work a little bit on the back burner um, and was a little more a little more not as consistent about seeking professional opportunities to, to exhibit work. Fortunately, there were people who were there to remind me that I am first an artist and that they thought of me and they would send things to me. So often it's like those connections that I have out in the world with artists that um, remember me and my work and what are you doing now? And we want to get you, uh, you know, we want you to apply to this exhibit. So that's been very nice. Um, and then sometimes I just, things come across, you know, the, the news stream or you hear that something is going to be going on somewhere and you investigate. So it's a kind of a lot of different directions. And sometimes it's just like I'm making work and that work needs a place to go and I find a place for it to go. 
um, this spring, I was supposed to go on an artist residency down to New Orleans. And that was when everything was starting to go. That was mid-March, the second half of March. And mm. it was kind of like, I waited till the last minute, but the, it just didn't happen. So what we ended up developing, thanks to um, the Watermark Art Center and um, Lori, um, we talked about, why don't you do uh, a residency here? Um, and so the we have set up on the Watermark Art Center a blog, and it was my Mississippi Detour, which is in reference to the Big River Continuum. And the Big River Continuum was, and still is, this program where I'm working right now with um, um, uh, Monique Verdon, who um, is from the Louisiana and the Homa Nation. She came up here last fall. So we're still keeping our connections and we did some work together over this spring talking about the Mississippi River and that relationship from of this end to that end and our, our relationship to that environmental space, which is really makes me happy because environmental space and environmental locations are very important to me and definitely influence the work I do as an artist. So we kind of made opportunities as well. So it's, it's seeking them out. It's creating them. It's, um, you know, just always being present, I think. I think that's a, such an interesting concept, uh, that between Louisiana and to where you're all at, that you share the same body of water, even though you're thousands of miles away from each other. Right. And their history is a longer history dealing with things that we're dealing with up here in regards to, um, you know, keeping the water clean and protecting it and things like that. And, um, but what I found in the process of being an artist and going out and I did a lot of taking photos and things and did like field note, um, um, things in the, in the blog. But what I saw were these, I've always had an attraction. I've been to Louisiana, I've been to New Orleans once. And it was a long time ago when my family did a tour de force around the United States one summer, uh, when I was just going into high school and it was a very memorable um, experience in terms of just I knew I wanted to go back and it's a long time and I still want to go back so it was <laughs> kind of disappointing mm. but I'm going to get there and it and so when I was taking these photos what was interesting to me was as the snow is melting and the water is you know rising around the um, our our river area, our river ecosystem, I'm seeing these sort of, sim I call them the um, northern bayous. They're very temporary, but they're these things where you, uh, I'm always, I've always been very attracted to the bayous in the south and wanting to go down there. But then I saw this sort of interesting mirror thing going on, even if briefly, you know. And so it's like, it would be great to be able to get um, analyze that a little bit more as an artist and think about um, those relationships that we have um, with water and with each other. So it's an opportunity to, I did do some environmental site work back in grad school, which I haven't 
done since then. And I was always, oh, this is something I like to do more of, and maybe there'll be an opportunity. So it's always sort of like try not to shut doors too much, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's, um, or at least not locking them. <laughs> if you've got to focus on, you know, you've got to train a thought and I've always got ideas of what I want to be doing, but sort of like that river metaphor, you know, you have all these tributaries and it's like, where are you going to focus now as an artist? So mm-hmm. that's the process that I'm doing is bringing a balance. We've, you know, opened the watermark is open again. Yay. Um, and, but still trying to keep that balance where I'm giving attention to my own work consistently along with attention to this other work that I love to do as well. Moving to the fifth question here. Uh, what would you like to say to the, the question sort of evolved over the course of this podcast. Uh, initially it's, uh, the, the 18-year-old version of yourself. But I think more importantly, uh, what, would, what would you say to a young person listening to this podcast, the 18-year-old or the 22-year-old uh, looking at a, a life in the arts? Uh, be diligent. You have to, it's a lot of hard work. Um, it's joyous work. It's frustrating work it's it's rewarding work but it's you you are constantly doing whether it's physically making something or dreaming and thinking about it it's like it's it's a way of life and um i i advise people to be around different ages of of people and artists and people from different cultures um it's it's kind of easy to get yourself insular with with um, your peers that are your age that have the aesthetics and interests and um, sort of influences that you've had. But when you stretch and you um, work with elders, or in my case, I, I really enjoy working with younger artists and just really having that, those stimulating conversations, because what it's really about to me is like artists, we are a tribe to no matter what your tribal affiliation is or your um, your identity is, that is those those are your people too. And um, I think learn new things. This whole you know it's doing a podcast, making a blog, and putting things. I mean that was and, and doing Instagram. I mean like I'm a dinosaur, and I've had <laughs> I had a pretty steep learning curve, and it took a little bit. But I was really like, wow, this is a really interesting experience and this is a really interesting way to do things. Will I continue to do those things always that way? Maybe, maybe not. But giving myself the opportunity and the challenge to experience new methods, new techniques, um, new ways of, of thinking. And then also, like I said, working with people who have a lot of experience and insight and have been through a lot of things as well you know that they've been I think all of that just is really informative and and feed you as a creative soul um I think one of the things have again jobs outside of art especially if you've not had to I mean if that's what you've been able to do that's great but if even if it's just like a little contract job or something where somebody wants to utilize your creative energy and get you to think about something other than art in a creative manner that too will um, 
will inform you as an artist. Um, know who you are as an artist and your creative process. Uh, that was a big one for me. I mean, I'm, I'm a doer and a maker and I feel like I should be doing all the time. And I remember there was a point in grad school where I was had a deadline coming up for the end of the semester or something. And I had these idea and I was freaking out because I had nothing like there was nothing visibly <laughs> happening. And I called in a panic to a dear friend who was also an artist that had known me for many years. And she started asking questions and she's like, well, you know, Karen, you're one of those, she goes, you know, don't, don't worry. She goes, you're one of those artists, 80% of what you do is going to happen in your head before you execute and create the artwork. And I just had somebody pointed that out to me and I was like, oh, I kind of do organize things in my head before I'm, and, but also, I'm also an artist that is very spontaneous about creating work that the materials inspire me. So I can work two different ways, but I, I kind of, depending on what the topic is about, or perhaps, you know, what are the things I'm contending with? I can go between those places, but know, know what you need as a creative person to be, um, to do your, to do your best work and, um, to always strive to, um, improve who you are as an artist, you know, because mm -hmm. I think everybody can, we can always keep evolving. Well, Karen, thank you so much for this. Before before I let you go, would you be able to tell us a little bit about the watermark and what's what's going on now that you're you're all open again? Well, we've got what well, we've we're kind of doing this thing. We're on limited hours. We're we're open Wednesday through Saturday, ten to five. Um, uh, Tom Stillday's work is currently in the ex in for another month. We extended it because his exhibit wasn't open very long before the everything shut down. And so we also have the artists, the um, members, the Watermark Art Center is a, is a, a member-driven organization. And so they have their annual exhibit. We have a photographer, I, I can't remember his name right now, it just went up. Um, and then we have our education program. We're starting to do things where we have online workshops. We're gonna continue doing the virtual galleries for all of our exhibits. So our next artist coming in, uh, so all of the exhibits that are currently in, people can go online and see those exhibits. And we're going to continue to do that as things are still, you know, kind of fuzzy as to what's going to be going on in the next few months. Um, uh, Quentin Decker will be the next um, exhibitor in the Mekinon Gallery. So we have our, the call gallery is our main front gallery. BSU, Bemidji State University, has a gallery there in the process of installing a new exhibit the Lakeview Gallery, and the Mekinon Gallery, which is dedicated to exhibiting Native artists' work. Um, we also have a retail shop. Um, people can also order kits online, and so we've really kind of moved over to being this sort of hybrid kind of place, which I think a lot of um, galleries and museums are looking at doing, because even though we're, we're, and, you know, we're following the state guidelines and what's, what, in terms of our um, 
in terms of monitoring our staff, having people wear masks, doing doing the right thing, I think, in terms of assuring that people can be comfortable coming into the space. So we're going to keep, you know, we're just planning forward. We're going to continue to have our exhibits and hopefully we're going to be able to stay open and people are going to be able to come in and see them in the physical space, but we will also have them online. And where can our listeners uh, find you online on social media? Um, under me, Karen Goulet, Nidawa Art um, is my, I have not paid as much attention to that. I need to get back to that if I'm going to say it. <laughs> um, and um, that is N-I-T-A-A-W-I-A-R-T at Gmail. And I also, the blog, my blog is on the Watermark Art Center uh, uh, webpage. And it's called My Mississippi Detour. And um, I'm, we're kind of reconfiguring that because we want to continue to have it be active, but it's going to kind of move more into, I'm going to be inviting um, artists and writers to contribute um, to that blog. So I would say that that's probably where I'm most present right now. Um, and uh, I, I've taken a couple week break, but I'm, I'm planning on posting, starting to post regularly again there. So and on the Nidawa art, I do have things posted of some of my fiber arts and some of my past work. And what will be going on the blog is more what I'm doing now. Hmm. Um, so there's writing, there's poetry and, and artwork and journal posts. And then Monique is also contributing to that. She's going to be posting uh, letters from from her neighborhood. Um, messages from Monique is also on there right now. So, um, so that's, that's what's happening. That's great. Karen, thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you for inviting me to do this. It was really fun. Oh, this is an honor. Thank you. (laughs) All right. And that does it for this episode of five plain questions. I want to thank Karen again for her time and sharing her story with us. More importantly, I want to thank you for joining us and spending your time listening to what I feel is a very important story and perspective from our community. Please join us next week as we speak with another incredible person. I'm Joe Williams. You can find me at our CANA, that's C-A-N-A-A, Creativity Among Native American Artists page on Facebook or at the plainsart.org website. There you can see our programming, our past videos, and these podcasts. You can also find us on SoundCloud, on iTunes, um, on Spotify, and other podcast platforms. If you have a suggestion of someone that we that we should be interviewing and that you would like to introduce us, please find me on Facebook and message me. I'd really like to hear from you. All right, that's it. Uh, take care, and we will see you next week. Thanks.